Praise the Lord. Thank you for tuning in to KCHF TV. It's another great day to be in the presence of the Lord, and we want to thank you for tuning in to this program. We want to thank you for your ministry support to KCHF and also for the ministry of Second Man. You know, the ministry of Second Man is uh, a transformational ministry. You know, we're making disciples, not decisions. You know, a, a world evangelist once told me, Mike Silva, he said, our organization is about making disciples, not decisions. And so your support and your help to this ministry is discipling the next generation of believers. You know, uh, my wife and I are uh, blessed to be able to minister to you. We're just inspired to be able to know you. Those of you guys that write to us, those of you guys that call us or visit our website, we're just so honored that the Lord would use us during this time to inspire you to become a follower of Jesus Christ. The Lord called us to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And you know, the Lord has opened up prison doors for us, all 12 prisons. We are preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ by way of video DVD, and the prison doors are beginning to open up. So we want to thank you for your prayers and your faithful support. You know, um, the Lord God promised us that in the last days he would give us a revival and that revival would be spearheaded by men and women that were coming out of the prisons whose lives had been set free and chains that have been broken and so we're witnessing the power of changed lives and i get uh, our testimonials through uh, our second man discipleship lessons that we send out uh, weekly to over 200 inmates in the state of new mexico that have enrolled and have completed the School of Discipleship Ministry through Second Man. And every time I get a ministry letter or I get their discipleship lessons back, they always say, pray for me and pray that the Lord would give me wisdom and understanding on how to become a minister, on how to, to, to begin the ministry when I get out of prison. And so God is beginning to change men and women's lives. And if you have a relative in prison, if you have a son or a daughter or a nephew or a niece, and they're interested in discipleship, I want to invite you to enroll them. Go to my website, danielariano.org, and just give us their name and the prison location, wherever they are throughout the country, and we will be sure to send them our discipleship material free of charge. Every inmate that writes to us is enrolled in our School of Discipleship, and we have some wonderful partners that give us the ability to send out uh, resources to them on a weekly and monthly basis to uh, fill their library with books and Bible and to give them a discipleship resource that is a very effective tool. You know, the Lord gave me this strategy of discipling men and women and remembering those who are imprisoned uh, through uh, the Second Man School of the Bible. It was actually one of the tools that God used in my life to disciple me during isolation. And so I'm just so blessed that you give us the opportunity to be able to disciple these men and women. We are continuing our lessons of Second Man uh, by way of the TV studio, and we're distributing those to the prison ministries, to the prison chapels throughout the state of New Mexico. And today I want to continue our lesson that we began a few weeks back on the last days of Jesus Christ, but I titled it Cosmeo. It's a Greek word, K-O-S-M-E-O, and it's where we get the English word cosmetic. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning and ask Him to bless our time in the Word of God, that the Lord Jesus would inspire you, that He would equip you, and enable you for the ministry for which he has called you to do. So, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for the listener. I pray, Lord God, for the prisoner. I pray for moms and dads and 
uncles and aunts. I pray for sons and daughters, Lord. I pray for those listening to me and watching me this morning, those under the sound of my voice, Father. I pray, the Lord God, that you would break chains. Father, I pray that you would set them free. Father, I pray that you would release them from any bondage, Lord God, that they may be stuck in. And Lord, I thank you, God, that those listening to us, Lord God, today will be encouraged and equipped and enabled to do your word and to do your work. And so, Father, I pray that you would anoint this time, anoint this ministry time, Lord, anoint this teaching, and anoint your servant, Lord. I empty myself before you, and I ask, Lord God, that you would just fill me with your words and fill me, Lord God, with your spirit, Lord God, that men's lives and women's lives will be transformed by the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So if you have your Bibles, if you would open them to Matthew 25, and I'm going to read a few verses of Scripture, but I want to also... Uh, do a little bit of uh, in looking into this word that the Lord gave me on the word kazmael. And Matthew 25, verse 1 begins like this, The kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins. And we know that the ten virgins are the church. And he says, Who took their lamps, that's the Holy Spirit, or a reference to the anointing oil. He says, And went out to meet the bridegroom. You know, verse 1 is particularly important because all 10 of them had their lamps. All 10 of them had the same goal. All 10 of them went out to meet the bridegroom. But not all of, not all of them were ready. Not all of them were prepared. And there was five that were foolish and five that were wise. In verse 2 it says, now five of them were wise and five were foolish. In other words, you could say, Five of them were looking out, and five of them were kind of just uh, hanging out. And the five that were looking out, they tarried all night. You know, uh, today our teenagers talk about uh, pulling an all-nighter. It is when, you know, the parents go to bed, or maybe they have a sleepover, or we used to have uh, sleepovers in church, and the kids would say, we're going to have an all-nighter tonight. And it's where they would stay up past midnight till 2, 3, 4 in the morning, 5 in the morning, 6 in the morning. Well, that's the kind of attitude that the church needs to have is that, Lord, we're going to stay up. We're going to stay ready. And we're going to go out to meet you. And I really believe that if you're out to meet the Lord, that you can be ready. You know, the Bible says for us to be ready in season and out of season. Because there's going to be seasons where we don't have what we used to have, but we ought to be preparing and accumulating the spirit in our life. The Bible says that five of them were wise and five were foolish. And the Bible says those who were foolish, they took their lamps, but they took no oil. In other words, they had the form of religion, but no power thereof. And some of us in the church, we have a form of religion. We have a lamp. You may have a beautiful building. What good is the building if God is not in there? You may have one of the greatest ministries, but what good is it if God is not there? And the Bible says that five of them were foolish because they had lamps. They had the outward appearance of ministry. They had an outward appearance of, of a work of God, but they had no in presence. They had no oil which to sustain the ministry. And the Bible says that they were foolish because they didn't have no oil. You know, in verse 5 it says, but while the bridegroom was delayed and slumbered, while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And there is that temptation that we give up in waiting for the Lord. That we give up and we say, Lord, you're tearing too long. You're not answering my prayers. Lord, when is the hour of your coming? 
And the Bible says that as the bridegroom delayed, that the church slept and slumbered. In other words, they got weary while doing good. And the Bible says that we ought to not weary while doing good because in due season we shall reap a harvest if we don't get up. You know, one of the principles that we've learned is that everything is in the harvest. What are you getting out of the harvest? You're getting out of the harvest which you have planted. If you've planted discord and strife, guess what? You're going to get discord and you're going to get strife. If you've planted uh, unforgiveness, you're going to get unforgiveness. But if you're planting into the kingdom of God, if you are evangelizing, if you're visiting the prisoner, if you're sending out lessons, if you're sending out resources and discipleship, guess what? You're going to get disciples. You know, it's so easy for us to, you know, to, to be comfortable in our churches or maybe in our cubicles and our office. And I know so many people that, you know, want to do something for the Lord, but they don't get out. You know, they don't want to do something for Jesus, but they're slumbering and sleeping. And Jesus says, if, if you're coming out to meet me, you got to be awake. You got to be fully awake and waking up others from their sleeping and their slumber. You know, we talk about a woke culture, you know, a culture that is woke. And there's no more moral absolutes. There's no more uh, truth and righteousness anymore. Uh, a, a woke culture speaks of a culture that is, you know, bizarre, it's chaotic, it's violence. And, you know, uh, they're kind of just living their life and doing as they please. Just like in the book of Judges, the Bible says that the people did as they pleased in their own eyes. And that's the kind of generation that we're living in today. We got a woke culture, but a sleeping church. A church that is asleep is not evangelizing. It's not visiting the prisoners. It's not reaching out to souls. It's not hurting for the hurting. It's, you know, maybe counting numbers or perhaps attracting buildings. And there's nothing wrong with buildings. But God says, I want you to go out into the highways and the byways and begin to bring people into the Lord's Supper. Begin to bring people because he's coming soon. And so the Bible says that while the bridegroom was delayed, they slumbered and slept. In other words, they got comfortable. They began to just live by routine. They began to just think to themselves, I think I'll be, be good here. I've reached a level of comfort and security. Uh, I, can, I can just do ministry right here. But we forget about those whose lives are going towards an eternity without Jesus Christ. And the Bible says at midnight, at midnight, the word midnight speaks of, of a day and an hour which is not known. In other words, it speaks of a day or a moment that just comes upon you. You know, in the Bible, we know that there's a kairos moment, a moment of opportunity. If you don't do it now, you won't do it ever. So the Lord says that as they slumbered and slept, and at midnight a cry was heard. Notice, behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. You know, a, a proper way of divining or, or, or defining this word, the bridegroom is here. You know, that we know Jesus is on his way. But there's going to be a time and there's going to be a moment in history in our life when the bridegroom is here. He has arrived. And by then it'll be too late because the Bible says that when the bridegroom was coming, when they said he's arrived, it was too late for those foolish virgins to, to trim their lamps. It was too, 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 too late for those virgins that had forgotten their oil at home to go back out to come and meet him. Because as they were waiting for him, he delayed and they were asleep and slumbering and their oil ran out, their lamps ran out of oil. They ran low on the oil. And so when they asked the other virgins, give us some of your oil, the Bible says no, lest 
there should not be enough for us. But you go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. You know, um, there was a man of God that once said, the anointing, the presence, and the fragrance of the Lord in your life is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. The fragrance of Jesus, the oil, the presence of Jesus in your life, it's going to cost you something. You know, the Bible says that God invites us to come and buy from him oil. If you lack oil, you can get it for him. If you lack the new wine, you can get it for him. If you lack the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, you can get it from him. So the Bible says that the wise, they say, we can't supply you with oil no more. We can't supply you with what we have. You know, and there's a truth there, is that you can't supply to others who don't have. And other people that don't have can't supply to me. You see, a lot of times we're living off of the supply of someone else. We're living off of the blessings of someone else. And the Lord says, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to wait for me, if you're going to do my work, you can't live off of someone else's supply. You got to get your own oil. You got to get your own anointing. You got to get your own teaching. You got to get your own discipleship. You got to get your own mission. You got to get your own vision. You got to get what belongs to you because the Lord Jesus Christ is, wants to give you a harvest. I want to look at verse 7. Because the Bible says, Then all those virgins trimmed their lamps. All those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. That word trim there we learned last week or in our prior teaching is the word cosmeo. The word cosmeo is the word cosmetic, where we get the word cosmetic. And, you know, ladies know about this because a lady, before you invite her out to dinner or you invite her out, or even before you come knocking on her door, she has to be made up. She has to be made ready. But this is speaking more than just cosmetic. You know, this is speaking of an attitude of being ready, of preparing your heart, of asking the Lord, make me ready. Make me white as snow. Lord, forgive me for my sins. Lord, forgive me for, for, for failing you and preparing our life to meet him. The Bible says that as they trim their lights, they trimmed their lamps. They were making themselves ready. The word cosmetic means to prepare or to put in order. Uh, one of the translations or one of the Greek definitions that I found was to put in the work. In other words, they were staying busy. They were putting in the work. They were preparing themselves. They were asking, Lord, make us ready. They were preparing their life to meet him because the Bible says that he will come in an hour where we do not expect. There's a midnight hour coming. And when the bridegroom, bridegroom comes and when he shows up, when he appears, will you have made yourself ready? Will you have been made prepared? Would you have put in the work? You know, to prepare yourself, the word cosmeo speaks of being watchful. Being watchful. In other words, you're not caught off guard. You're being watchful. You're looking. You're listening. You're hearing from the Lord. Lord, do I make this decision? Lord, do I make this move? Lord, who do I target for salvation? Lord, does this person need prayer? It amazes me how many times on social media or even just in everyday life, people say, you know, pray for us, we're really hurting. Pray for us, we're really hurting. And we say, oh yeah, we're praying, we'll pray for you. But do you actually stop and just say, let's pray right now? Because you don't know whether that prayer at that moment will be answered and will be the resource or will be the seed that someone needs to continue. 
And so the Bible says that all these virgins arose and they trimmed their lamps. They made themselves ready, Cosmeo. They got ready. You know, the worst thing you could do to your teenage girlfriend or, you know, to someone that you just recently met is to show up unexpected, sometimes maybe even uninvited. You know, there's a, a, a part, a season of the relationship where, you know, you can't show up uninvited and you can't show up unexpectedly because she's not ready to meet you. She's not ready to see you. I remember one of the first times when my wife and I were dating, we were teenagers, and I guess I got a little bit comfortable with just showing up. And one morning I showed up, and we were supposed to be going somewhere, but when she walked in the door, she opened the door, and she walked right out of the living room into the restroom or her bedroom to get herself ready. And it was the first time I had seen her without makeup, and it was like, oh my gosh, he saw me, and I wasn't ready. You know, and a lot of times, Jesus asks us throughout the scripture, be ye ready, be ye ready, be ye ready. I am coming at an hour you do not know of. And so going to this, I want to go over to Matthew 24. It's part of our lesson. And Matthew 24, the title of the, the verse 36 says, but of that day, an hour, what hour? At the, mid, the midnight call, the midnight cry, no one knows the day or the hour, not even the angels of heaven. You know, the angels of heaven are sitting right now in heaven in the presence of the Lord, worshiping the Lord, waiting for them to be sent, waiting to be deployed to gather his elect. The angels in heaven are waiting. They don't even know. But I just imagine the anticipation is in their hearts, kind of like the little boy waiting for his daddy at the window. You know, my grandson was home the other day with his grandmother and uh, his grandma began to say, Daddy's coming, Mommy's coming. And uh, my grandson Zedekiah, he, he jumped up off the couch and, and he began to say, Dada, Dada, Daddy. And he was looking out the window and he knew just the thought of him coming home soon. He began to look out the window and, and he knew that at any moment, at any hour, his, his daddy would arrive on the porch and, and come into the home. And, and as he, he, he jumped up to his feet, he began to look at the window, he began to open up the blinds, and he began to call out for his father. And I wonder how many times people are saying, Father God is on his way home, Jesus is on his way home, he's coming to gather his church, but we're sleeping and slumbering, and we don't jump up with excitement. And this morning I want to just inspire you that you would say, you know what, Lord, I want to be ready. Who could I target for salvation? And begin to look out because our redemption draweth nigh. The Bible says, but of that day, in Matthew 24, 36, of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. There's one thing that's only reserved for Father God, and that is the hour in which he will send his son to return for the church. No one knows the day or the hour. We may be able to put calculations. We might see the seasons and the times changing. We might be looking at the fig trees. We might be looking at the wars and rumors of wars and the pestilence. I mean, just on the way to the studio, I was listening to the radio, and they're talking about a, a shortage of baby formula. You know, we're, we're seeing inflation like at no time in the history of our world. And one of the things that I reminded myself is that our security is not in this world. You know, a lot of us are gathering supplies, and we should. We should live wisely, but... Have you reserved a supply 
of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life? Have you reserved a supply of witnessing in your life, of evangelizing, of going out to invite the lost to come to salvation? You know, every week for the last year since the prisons opened up, my wife and I have been going into the prisons. And it's, it's alarming. It's alarming to me. And it just crushes us to see men in their 20s and their 30s doing 10, 15, 20 years live sentences in prison. Live sentences for, for, for careless acts that they've committed. And I, I see the, the generations going to prison are younger and younger and younger. You know, when I was 18, 19 years old, and I began to go minister in the prisons and begin to evangelize in prisons, I would see men in their 40s and their 50s, you know, guys that had been in and out of prison. And, and for some reason, it seemed like they were a lot older, but the prison population in the state of New Mexico is getting younger and younger and younger. And there's not a generation, there's not a people that I feel such a heavy burden to disciple. A, a burden that, 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 can't, that, that I can't unshake. You know, uh, I may never be a pastor, but I'll always remember the prisoner. I may never hold a title or a position of a pastor, of a, of a church or a lead pastor, but I will never, ever, not walk into a prison to evangelize because I know for sure that, who's, that is who the Lord has called me to. And, and we're seeing the, the results of, of an effective ministry. We're seeing the discipleship of men and women in prisons like never before. Hundreds of men and women are writing to us and, and asking us, send me reading materials. You know, disciple me. I want to be discipled. I want to know the plan and the purpose of God for my life. And I will do it even from prison. Reminds me of the Apostle Paul. In Acts chapter 20, we don't have it on our notes, but I'm just going to say it because this is what the Lord is leading me to tell you right now. Man, like Paul. Paul said, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will come upon me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to me, that only I may finish the race and complete the ministry for which the Lord God has assigned to me. And I love Paul's attitude because Paul had an attitude, the prisoner of the Lord. I know that tribulations and trials and imprisonment await me, but he says, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race and complete my ministry with joy. And I get just touched by men who, who have said, you know what, I'll never hug my family again. I'll never be able to embrace my kids again, but I'll serve the Lord. Even if I have to serve Him in prison the rest of my life, I want to make myself ready. I want to make myself ready. And that just so touches my heart. And I know that men and women that we minister to have maybe hurt you. Maybe they've hurt someone you love. Maybe they've taken someone's life that you love but there's still a soul. When I get these men's letters and I read them, a lot of them are broken. A lot of them have been um, left unforgiven. You know, they, and they want to know, why can't I be forgiven by the family of the victim? You know, and that's something they got to take to the Lord. That's something that that family has to take to the Lord. But I tell you what, 
We are not in the place of God to judge. We are in the place that God has appointed for us for such a time as this to bring salvation, to bring people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, to get them ready because no one knows that they are the hour. But are you sleeping? Are you slumbering? If you're sleeping and slumbering, today I say awake. Today I say to you, wake up and begin to trim your lamp. Begin to increase your oil supply. Begin to witness to lost souls. Begin to evangelize. You know, I wrote this on the margins of my Bible. You know, my niece Kayla, she's a teenager now. Oh, she was a little infant, a child, just, you know, beginning to understand the things of God. And I wrote it on the margins of my Bible as they were talking about the coming of the Lord. And her mom referenced this verse of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven. She says, Mom, if no one knows the day or the hour, does anyone know the month or the year when Jesus Christ will come? And that just showed me the sincerity of, of a young, precious baby. It says, Mom, does anyone know the month or the year? No. The Bible says that he will come unexpectedly. We're living in the last days. We don't have much time. We don't have much time. The urgency of reaching the lost at all costs is now. You know, Jesus himself said in John 9, 4, while it is day, I must do the work of him who sent me because the hour is coming in which no man can work. You know, the time of being prepared to meet the Lord is coming. The Lord is at hand. He's coming. And Jesus says, the night is coming when no man can work. So he said, I must do the work of him who called me while it is still day. While it is still day. And today, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and you want to know him, the Bible says in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3, 9, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. He says, but he is not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you need repentance today, if you say, you know what, Pastor Danny, I'm not ready, but I want to be ready. Today, I want to give you this last 30 seconds of this telecast to make your life ready for Jesus. Say, Lord God, I want to be ready. I want to be put right. I want to be put in place for you. Cosmeo. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for the listener and for the hearer today. Lord, I pray that you would bring salvation to their soul, salvation to their whole household. Lord, I pray, God, that you would bless them indeed and fill them with the presence of your Holy Spirit. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you, shine his face upon you and give you his peace. If you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ today, I want to invite you right to our ministry. We want to send you discipleship materials to take your faith to the next steps. God bless you.